As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we... <laughs> I'm just laughing at your, your face when you took a drink. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I, I was trying not to... Uh... I know. It was like and a delayed I, reaction. I threw, my, I threw my coaster at myself and I knew Jared saw it. I was like, fuck. It's <laughs> not smooth. <laughs> anyway. And why does this always happen right before we start to hit record? Um... And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I am the ever-graceful Mary Beth. <laughs> In each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is Jared Rogers, producer and star in the hilarious new pseudo-documentary, When the Screaming Starts. Welcome to the show! Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we're excited, we too. excited too. Um, especially with this pick, which might um, might be a little spicy, but we'll, we'll see when I'm we get there. Terry has been, just like for context for both Jared and everyone listening, Terry texted me last night saying it's going to be a spicy recording, and I did not know that it would be spicy, because I'm, I'm, and I don't know what this means, and I'm, I'm very worried, so I'm, I don't I'm, know I'm what's excited, happening. I'm, I'm I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, but before we do get to all that goodness, let's take it back to the start. How did you get introduced to horror? I'm So I'm... Uh, an only child so so my uh cousins were were kind of my brothers growing up they're sort of sort of 10 and 12 years i think it is um older than me and i think the first horror film i saw was um and it was nearly going to be my pick actually but i saw that someone else had already done it was uh event horizon was my oh. intro um, and i think i must have been I want to say like seven or eight, and, and they were like, wow. the, the, the the cousins were playing like the the babysitter role. I was round at my um, it was my my aunt's house, and yeah, that was and it was in the daytime as well. But it's still oh man, 
it, yeah, no. it, <laughs> I think it was because that's the only time I've not even gone back to to watching that. But I just remember there was, um, and I can't remember if it was a flashback or what it was, but there was like a scene in a bathtub and 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 someone slitting their wrists. And I just remember yep. that kind of stuck with me for quite a while as a, as a kid. Just kind of that that image and um, yeah, a lot. A lot of that. Um, so that was, yeah, that was my my intro. That movie is so full of horrific images that, like, I don't like. Even as someone who likes extreme horror, it's hard to watch. Like, as a seven or eight year old, I wouldn't even know how to process that. Yeah, it was. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> what an introduction to the genre, though. Too like that is like. I, I mean, I was eased in with like Universal monsters, and you know, and then like camera <laughs> films. You're just like here. <laughs> jump into jump right Samuel in. with no eyes and corpses and tubs and yeah it was I, I've definitely gotten like the lot of the um the yeah kind of more sort of child's I guess sort of friendly uh Halloween films has definitely been I'd say more in the last few years because my wife's oh. um American and I live in America now so yeah, so she's introduced me into a lot of her kind of childhood Halloween ones. I forget the name. Um, she's going to kill me, actually. Like, we watched it last Halloween, where it's, I think, is it their grandma's a witch? Oh, Halloween Town? Halloween Town, yeah. I, I, I watched that for the first time ever, like, last year, and I was like, yeah, this is much better. I'd have loved to watch this as a <laughs> as a child and not event horizon. And <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I've actually never seen Halloween Town. Oh my god. Okay, so I watched both as a kid. So I loved both the really cute, like, Halloween witchy stuff and the scary stuff. So I was just, like, Halloween, I was just, like, eating good. Because I wanted to be a witch. (laughs) So, like, Halloween Town was my dream. And it is so fun. I mean, I haven't revisited it in a long time, so I have no idea how it stands up. But, like, to me, it's, like, Hocus Pocus and Halloween Town were, like, my two movies growing up. Like, my two cute Halloween movies. Like, those were the two. And they're the best. Absolutely, yeah. This is not a hot. This is not a hocus pocus podcast, but now it is a Halloween <laughs> yeah. podcast, but now it is. Yeah, I don't even know when that came out, but I think I was I was too old for for that one, and I yeah. it, it was on cable too, right? And I, I yes, it was, never it was had Disney. Cable. It was a Disney Channel original movie. Oh, it was a decom. Yes, it was. Yes, it was a. De- <laughs> yes, it was in fact. Um, <laughs> But anyway, going back to Event Horizon, so so after that, were you kind of like hooked on horror after that, or were you a little bit like after watching Event Horizon, were you just kind of like diving in? I I was probably a little bit um, kind of wanting to have the most and kind of sort of watered down vanilla um, kind of movies for I think quite a while, and yeah. uh, <laughs> so just to, to get, <laughs> get over that that trauma. <laughs> But I suppose, like, it probably started through, I don't know, maybe through, like, cartoons, I think, maybe, like, with, um, like, the more kind of sort of adult-themed ones, like, South Park was in its, I don't know what, like, season it was when I, but again, it was the same, same cousins babysitting me, watching that far too young, and even though most of the maybe more extreme words were bleeped out, there were still kind of ones that I probably shouldn't be hearing, and, and obviously humour that probably I should have been exposed to. So I think like kind of that and you know, kind of that sort of, I guess, low level sort of violence in, in South Park and the Simpsons. And there was also, um, and I've never been able to find it. I think it was it called like, uh, the gods, was it God, the devil and Bob or something was, uh, I don't know how many seasons it ran for. And I can't remember what channel it was on in the UK, but, but that was, um, I think there, there was, there was kind of like low level sort of, 
uh, kind of horror, obviously, um, kind of sort of moments where you sort of see hell and, and things like that. So, so that was kind of my, from the extreme kind of Everest of, of, of Event Horizon to kind of going through the, um, kind of sort of cartoon stuff and then, uh, yeah, going into the, uh, yeah, sort of what the, what my pick is for this kind of, uh, stumbling, upon this yeah. this film i've never heard of the god the devil and bob but i'm I'm looking it up right now and it was uh it was on nbc apparently i i've never really? even heard of it i had never heard of it wild yeah huh <laughs> it was i think it because we had like at that age i think we just had five channels and maybe sky was just out but it was like sky in its early not like sky digital now where there's just hundreds and hundreds of channels right so yeah i think maybe it was like channel four or something but yeah hmm. um were you a were you a scared kid growing up did uh did did horror movies like terrify you a lot yeah uh, i i was definitely that i was never like left on my own as a child like that much but like i think when i got to a certain age like my sort of parents were like yeah you're you can you can look after yourself right because my my dad would work away like for like so many weeks at a time and like my mum would work sort of like different sort of shift stuff so yeah sometimes if my if it wasn't my grandma looking after me it would be yeah sort of in in the house on my own and and just that kind of very imaginative yeah child and and any sounds and i think we had i think we did have um i'm trying to think i think most rooms had carpets but it was just that kind of slightly kind of creaky as soon especially in like the winter time uh. the as the kind of the heat in the central heating would come on and you just hear these kind of like sort of squeaks and creaks of um the floorboards and 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 winter as well like even this kind of time of year in the uk as well just it gets dark a lot earlier as well so just even like you'd you'd be walking home from school and by the time you've got home it would it would if it's an overcast day, which where I'm from in England often is, it would be uh, it would be dark really, really early. So um, so yeah, just that kind of sort of really added a sort of play to that sort of spooky season as well. Cool. I can relate to that because I grew up in Alaska, and uh, by Alaska. the time in the winter time, it was like you get home from school and it's it's dusk out already. So yeah. I can relate. <laughs> That's crazy. That was. Uh... So you're used to the uh, the cold weather. Oh, I love the cold weather. This is my perfect weather right now. It's so nice. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> but then, Jared, do you do you still get scared watching movies, or are you more of a jaded horror fan like some of us? <laughs> uh, I I'm trying to think what I've seen recently that's kind of I I, I definitely do get scared. I, I'd say more like the the psychological ones. I think the the ones that yeah kind of could be kind of really happen i think the ones mm. that sort of like sort of stick with me like the i've definitely gotten a lot better with uh like gore and kind of other blood stuff that was something that i was sort of maybe yeah again maybe event horizon i i was like i've i've had my fill for a few years um, <laughs> and uh would kind of yeah sort of draw to the the ones where the whether it was an actual monster or it was a, a person that would sort of be hidden and, and hinted to I've i've always I'd say probably be more sort of drawn to those kind of horror films where it's not out and out gore. It's, it's kind of a, a slow build and uh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of sort of playing with your almost sort of playing with nuts that uh, what's not there. And, and yeah, just how your kind of imagination can, uh, can take it. Do you remember the last movie that like truly scared you or brought you back to that feeling of being a kid? Oh, I don't off the top of my 
trying to think actually because that's the thing it, it is a rarer yeah especially like the last i'd say three or four years like i've with obviously like kind of um doing the film that we we've worked on I, i've i've not actually watched that much there's there's a whole list like ever growing list of of films that i still need to watch like because i'll i seem to like sort of draw myself back to things i've watched before and i just enjoy because like kind of watching mm-hmm. a film or a tv show is recite yeah in the last few years has been such a rarity that i kind of almost just it's that kind of like comfort food of i know right yeah. i know i love this i know i love a margarita pizza or uh whatever <laughs> <laughs> a peanut m m so i'll just go with that rather than sort of exploring but i'm trying to think i'm and, and this isn't nowhere near is this the last film but i was just thinking of um the film like signs and, and i watched this when it was in the cinema and obviously it's like decades oh but like kind of like those sort of ones like the the jump scare ones um kind of sort of again stuck with me even though i wasn't sort of thinking there was a an alien in the bushes and we didn't have (laughs) cornfields where um i grew up but but just yeah there's sort of those ones where yeah things could be sort of lurking yeah so you also mentioned that you you kind of gravitate more towards like comfort food in terms of horror movies so what are some of your favorites what are the ones that you go back to all the time uh i mean the 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 one i've picked is definitely one um it's kind of i guess it's almost the the one that yeah sort of sort of scared me for life but it's almost like a uh I, I don't know. Yeah, it, I think the more I see it, the more I can sort of see it as um, from like a, maybe like a filmmaking standpoint. So it's sort of slowly, yeah, it, it's kind of sort of sort of soothing that um, fear that that young little Jared had when he watched the film far too young. But yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I, I think a lot of things. I guess they're probably maybe class more as as thrillers. I'm trying to think the out and out horrors like the and I forget the name. All of a sudden, this. Um, but the Ethan Hawke um, film, where it's is he a sinister? I think I think yeah, sinister. Where like they move into the house and they find like the reels and yeah, that, yeah, that's sinister. That again, like for my like the little kind of jump scares. Like I remember watching that in the cinema where it's a. I think it's like the lawnmower. Um, oh, the lawnmower. Kind of bit. Yes. And just remember what kind of watching that, and it's so like quiet as well as like little crackling bits of the. Um, of like the real and stuff and so yeah kind of like i'd say like those yeah those kind of films um i think what else i guess like uh, seven as well as another mm. i don't know if that's really classed as 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 horror or if it's just kind of like thriller but um yeah sort of those and what else yeah i'd say those i'd say it, that has horror that that maybe mixes with other um elements like the Kind of like the alien films and right. uh, like kind of sort of blurs with other other genres. Cool. Cool. So you have a movie out where you star and also you produce called When the Screaming Starts. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the movie? Yeah. So uh, When the Screaming Starts is a uh, a horror comedy um, about any uh, an aspiring serial killer called Aidan Mendel and. Um, we follow him creating this this Manson style um, cult. So it kind of follows, similar to like a, a true crime kind of documentary, but this is about a guy that has watched um, 
every horror film, every sort of true crime serial killer, and and kind of wants to to emulate that for himself to to kind of get that that infamy. And then I play uh, Norman Graysmith, who's the, the documentary filmmaker that's uh, thinking that he's got his um, kind of golden <laughs> goose in Aiden and thinks he's going to become this world renowned um, yeah documentary filmmaker for actually capturing someone's origin story hell yeah so (laughs) you know so you know connor beru who directed it and ed hartland who wrote it you guys have been you know working together for a while right on on projects yeah we've uh, since we all met um in london uh, uh drama school in 2011 so yeah so it's been a it's been a long old road to um cool our first feature so okay so who had the like, who had like the initial idea for for when the screaming starts uh, so that was that was ed hartland's he's ed, um okay. he's definitely the out of all of us the 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 horror um i don't know what you'd call it encyclopedia uh <laughs> and, and he, <laughs> He was watching. I think it was the uh, the Ted Bundy tapes. Like he was actually reviewing for the. I think it was, I think it was the London Horror Society. But um, so he was like kind of watching that and just was equally disturbed by it, but also just couldn't help but sort of be fixated upon it and, and you know want to sort of watch the um, almost like binge the whole um, show at once and just kind of started to question that and like other true crime things mm. that were coming up that was sort of solely focused on on serial killers and almost in a way sort of i was i don't want to say glamorizing it but definitely holding the serial killer on the the kind of the plinth and like the the victims are almost just these kind of little sort of b characters that just pop along and and like the main focus on the serial killer and i think that was the the origin for that and then uh, we, we all love um, comedy, and, and we wanted it to be kind of a really sort of dark comedy as well. So I think that was where the um, kind of the seed was was planted, and um, yeah, just and it, it's definitely the films had so many different versions as well, like how it ends and, heard, and yeah. all these things, like without giving any spoilers away. But um, yeah. He's, uh, his his serial killer knowledge was was a little bit scary. Like kind of, he was like, oh yeah, this character could be like based on this person, and they did this. And I'm like, okay, okay, Ed. <laughs> oh yeah, I interviewed I interviewed him a couple of months ago. We talked about Albert Fish, and I was and Connor was in the call, and he was like, you guys are weird. Like, why are you talking about all the, like, these horrendous serial killers? It was incredible. Yeah, Albert Fish is he's fucked up. Gnarly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But so, um, when the scraping starts, it's a pseudo documentary style. So it's like what we do in the shadows. It's, it's very like similar to the kind of the style of what we do in the shadows. So what kind of like what was that like working in that in that kind of genre of filmmaking and making it feel like a documentary, but obviously not. Yeah, it, it was. I think one of the reasons we wanted it to shoot it as the documentary style because as much as we wanted to look as high as high a budget as possible, it was. We definitely knew it was with the kind of the scraps of money we had initially to make it that we could achieve it. And if it looked in parts a little kind of rough around the edges, it kind of sort of played in with that, that documentary style. But yeah, just yeah, things like what we do in the shadows and the office as well, the 
I mean, the American office, but also the UK office with that kind of really sort of bleak British look, that real kind of sort of dry humour at times. We really wanted to sort of tap into that well. And yeah, and at the time it was something we was going to try and shoot for, I think it was 12 days was the original. It was um, Adrian Musto, our uh, DP. He did a lot of kind of like haunted house or what the show is is like help my house is haunted or something and like other documentaries about ghost towns and stuff so he had like a really um short window in in january of 2020 where he was like yeah i'm free for these dates he told us that in i think it was october of 2019 so we we uh, the script was pretty much there but the actual (laughs) everything else of of props and costume just yeah so it was a lot of Connor, Ed, and myself, um, yeah, WhatsApp group, staying up till the early hours and getting up early and looking. Uh, I don't think I've looked uh, before then or ever since uh, um, for um, women's uh, costumes. Like, just I remember us being in, after doing like a location run, I think it was in, I don't know if it was like a McDonald's or something at like 10 at night. It was like the only thing that was open on a on a Sunday and we like just had like my laptop was just all huddled around like looking at 20 tabs open of like oh this like is this dress for claire is this like we need like a pink jumper that's got a, a skull on and all this and just like if anyone looked over just these like three guys like what are they doing like people people just like mopping the the floor in the background just like looking over our shoulders just should we, should we call the police like going oh well we need some fake blood for this or or that, or this, <laughs> we need three of this because, yeah, if, if we get too much fake blood or we need to do reshoots and, yeah, just our our internet history must have been very questionable uh, at, uh-huh. in, in You're the on months some leading up. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, our order history was, was, yeah, lots of, yeah, lots of fake blood. Absolutely amazing. That's awesome. Um, okay. So, do we want to talk about the movie you brought with you today, Jared? What movie did you bring? All right. Uh, So, yeah, I have brought today um, Halloween, the the original, the nineteen seventy eight John Carpenter. Finally, we're talking about Halloween, (laughs) and it is in the month of October. It is very exciting. So, um, for those of you who have not seen Halloween, one, go watch it really quick, but two, here's a synopsis for Halloween. Um, 15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween night in 1963, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital and returns to the small town of Haddonfield, Illinois, to kill again. To kill again. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, so take us back. You you told us that this is a movie that has become like a favorite from from when you used to terrify you but take us back to that that young jared when did you see this how did you see it why is it your scarf your life story give us your horror story i'm pretty sure it was 12 years old i was either 11 or 12 when i when i watched it and um it was i think it was that because i'm my birthday's at the beginning of october so i'd very Uh i think for my birthday had a um very small very boxy tv um in my my bedroom was my i think it was a birthday and christmas present um one of those where you kind of at that age you kind of forget when it turns around to christmas and they're like oh remember the tv we got you as well so uh, <laughs> right, that right. was that was showing but um so yeah so that was the first time having yeah a, a tv in my bedroom and there was obviously no 
I think I had a little, I can't remember what the brand was, but my um, dad had it, I think, from work. It was like a, almost the size of a, like a Nintendo, is it Switch or whatever? Like they have like the, all the cool kids have now, the PSP, maybe like a little bit bigger than that, but it was this uh-huh. really old style TV that had this like really kind of long kind of silver aerial. So and you occasionally could get TV on that. So I guess I did have that but it, it didn't really work very well and needed a lot of big batteries so it yeah it wasn't on that often but so yeah so this was like the first time I had some form of kind of like entertainment uh or kind of access I guess to like the, the outside world. There was no yeah no mobile phone or no social media or right. computers, anything like that. So um yeah it was a real like window into yeah, like lots of lots of films, and and Halloween was I'd actually watched it on uh, Halloween night as well, so it was like an oh, extra wow. extra thing, which was really cool. And and if, I, th- I think it was like a few. It wasn't long. Like I remember watching. I'd watch TV, and I guess like from a kid, even before I had the TV, I was quite a night owl. So um, I'd be up super late, and my parents, and I don't know why they thought I would never discover this, but <laughs> they had like. Uh, and they probably still make them now, I don't know, but like the power line to the TV before it went into the socket, there was like a little um, like timer that you could set where they could set like a certain bit, almost like a thermostat or whatever, where it would just cut the power out for that. Just cut plug. the power, yep. So sometimes it'd be like watching this was like, yeah, maybe like the first week or so of having this this like brand new um, present and, and like the TV at like 10 o'clock at night or something would just cut out. And I'd be like, "What's what is this?" And I, I didn't want to say to them because I didn't want to like say, "Oh, I think the TV's broken." Or, and then I discovered that, yeah, I was like, "Oh, maybe it's like the power socket," and I'll change that. And I moved my I had these like bunk bed. I moved the bunk bed out and saw this little um, this little dial. And then it took me a while to like realize what it was. And then yeah, I because it was it was hidden like the bed kind of uh, hid it as well. So I unplugged it out and kind of sort of tucked it at the top of my bed and, and push the bunk bed back, uh, back and yeah my parents never I think even to this day they never sort of knew about <laughs> that I was watching TV to like all hours but so yeah so so Halloween night um, I'm yeah up up very late I think it was maybe like a sort of half 10 11 or something I think it was it must have been on BBC uh, because there was no like ad breaks like um and that's like the TV had like five uh, TV stations and uh, one and two was BBC One, BBC Two, which you pay in the UK, you pay a, a TV license and uh, that's the BBC gets that money. So they don't have to put like um, ads on. Um, so, yeah, so there was no like intermissions or anything like that. And and yeah, I had to keep it like really super low because, again, like my parents right. uh, was kind of thinking that, yeah, I should be in bed and, and there's no TV. And I just remember kind of being sort of sat on on the top part of the bunk bed, like near the window. The TV was kind of on that side, so it was like the other side of the, the wall where my, my parents' room was. And, yeah, just, just watching this film and, and, and kind of mesmerised the... Um, I think it's still my my favourite uh, theme tune as well, just kind of that, that score... And just sort of drawing you in, and um, yeah, I think just like the 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 build up to it as well, just this 
because even though it wasn't in a cinema, it was the room was pitch black and right. yeah. just you just kind of I was sort of glued to the TV and um, there was no no headphones, so I was kind of I feel like my I don't know almost like I was trying not to. I don't breathe as loud or whatever, so I could hear the, yeah. the the TV or whatever. And I was just kind of really kind of huddled in. And well, and I remember as a kid, like when when you had to like have things down really low. Because I remember when I grew up, my my room was right next to my parents' room, and so if you stayed up late, you had to have the TV really really quiet. And yeah. it almost like makes you more jumpy because you're just like pulled yes. in. You have to like lean closer to the TV, and you <laughs> have to like be like more listening to what's happening. So like the scares come, I think. A little bit harder yeah so even like the little just like the kind of the little uh where like michael's um watching jim lee curtis's character just those like early bits i remember like when she's walking with i think is it the first friend that gets killed like when they're just walking like back from from high school and like michael's like yeah. kind of there in the distance and then she does that like she like she sees it as uh, she sees him and then Friends like there's no one there, and although no, like thinks like the the guy behind the bushes, and there's not like even like bits like that, which yeah, now in later life I'm kind of like oh it's it, it's it's cool, but like as a kid I was like even like those bits just uh, and I think there was like the little bits of kind of undercurrent of score there as well that would um, sort of make it even more yeah I guess like really I guess maybe not that part was was terrifying, but definitely it. it, it kind of started that fear and sort of that that the heart started to uh to beat a little faster at those points and um and yeah, yeah. just obviously the uh when the the kitchen knife uh is is put to uh to use and just yeah I, I don't know just i think the fact that he doesn't he never like runs as well um kind of freaked me out even more i don't know just that kind of just sort of slow this yeah. expressionless mask as well there's no it's not like he's got i'm, I'm trying to think of um uh like nightmare on elm street or um things like that where it's quite a grotesque yeah and so that, that so like, i hadn't actually seen the first halloween until college and i i watched horror movies a lot as a kid but it was one of those movies that like i actually was really scared to experience because michael meyer because of that mask it being so blank, it really freaked me out. And something about like the cover and just knowing who Michael Myers was, like I knew who he was, but I had no desire to experience it. But I, it's also one of those movies that like I had seen snippets of all of like all of the original five on TV on like random Halloweens and random like parties and stuff. So like, yeah, I was aware of him, but I had never watched a full movie. It was always like, oh, I watched part of the marathon on um, AMC. Um, God, remember that? That was incredible. Um, anyway, but <laughs> so then I finally watched it in, it was funny. It was in college and it, I lived in like, like the, um, women in gender studies housing and we had to put on events every couple of months, like to live there. So we did horror movie screenings and talked about final girls. And nice. so we were like, okay, we're going to do how, because we were all like, it was like four of us who just wanted like, it was free housing. So we wanted free housing. Like, oh, cool. So we'll just program horror movies about women. And like, we'll talk about women and we'll get to stay live here for free for a year. It was, it was awesome. So Halloween was like yeah. our Halloween screening. And I was scared watching it. So we watched it in, like, it wasn't a theater necessarily, but it had, like, a bigger screen in, like, a class. It was, like, a library classroom. And we had, like, 
the music was really loud and I knew about it, but I didn't know about the, the, the cold open, like how shocking that was going to be. Like that cold open is, I just feel one of the most perfect ways to open a movie I've ever seen. Um, just to be blunt, I think it is the incredible use of the POV through mm. like the killer POV, which I am obsessed with. And I love, like, it's like, I talk about this all the time with like found footage and like the killer POV and found footage links. Cause that's just like, I love that shit so much, but, and how just disturbing it is that this, like the, the way this little kid is looking at his naked sister and the murder, it's just all so, sh- it's, it's so incredibly shocking for a movie like this. Like you, it's always so sh- surprising when you see it and you're like, Oh wow. No, this movie starts off like, with a bang very yeah. quickly it's it's yeah it always kind of catches me by surprise i'll say it does weird me out though that when um she gets stabbed that like it almost sounds like she's moaning uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah it's very sexualized yeah, and it's a little weird <laughs> yeah especially especially with the reveal that it's michael and he's like you know her her brother it's like oh michael and then she's like moaning and it's it it just like really weirds me out a bit i'm gonna be perfectly honest yeah and i, I like watching yeah i didn't notice this as um as a kid really but kind of like re-watching but later in life the how jamie Lee curtis's character especially like has kind of all, all those tropes of like her running away and and kind of like sort of tripping up on almost nothing and making and you know, obviously like it's your scared for your life but i don't know if it feels like almost that over um kind of amped of the 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 screams and the the distress i I don't know it almost overly she's this kind of sort of sweet innocent person and just like you said like the not like not her like um, making like moan sounds or anything but just that over like if she falls over it's just a really kind of dramatic thing that is i guess maybe sort of so we still see it, but it's, I don't know, don't see it as often, like, kind of these days of, of how, yeah. like, sort of, like, female characters are portrayed that it's like, well, sh- like, surely she doesn't need to trip over. Surely there's other ways. <laughs> Film-wise, you can you can put her in a, a place of, like, danger and not just, oh, there's a random little rock. <laughs> right. Well, and as I was watching it this time, I it, like, really honed in at how randy from scream gets all of his rules from this movie like the the don't have sex because she's very presented very virginal the the not the not smoking or or you know drugs or whatever because her friend is is toking and it's such a funny moment in the car where she hands the joint over to Lori, and Lori holds it with both fingers this very like (laughs) (laughs) petite and like takes a and then she like starts coughing so it's obvious she's never smoked a joint before she doesn't know what she's doing so there's that rule and then a character even literally says i'll be right back so like it's obvious (laughs) like this is the movie that randy has seen that he decided these are the rules of slashers because not all of them follow these rules it's just this movie seems to like cement that kind of aspect of of the 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 subgenre yeah well and we talked about that too because we we talked we talked about black christmas a couple years ago and we and i mentioned especially in like because i think halloween borrows a lot from black christmas um a lot um but looking at like the kind of evolution of the final girl and what Lori like how laurie strode is so different from our final girl in black christmas 
and how it's so drastically different, but somehow Laurie Strode became kind of like this pinnacle. And it's like, it's so interesting to think about that too, because like, I don't know if John Carpenter and Deborah Hill really knew what they were doing. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, we'll just like make this kind of archetype character. And it basically spurred like decades of horror discourse, which is wild to me. Like, if you ever think about that, you're like, oh shit, like somehow this character I created has launched like an entire movement in the horror genre. It's fascinating. Yeah, and just like how like uh, towards like the end when uh, Michael comes into like the house that she's babysitting, like how she's this kind of almost that kind of motherly thing that she takes the other um, yep. child that her friends babysits in. It's like, yeah, I know I'll I'll be the the kind of the the mother role as well, and just the, I like you say yep. adding even more to this that she this is the this is who you should be, kids. You shouldn't you shouldn't go out having sex like uh, unmarried and and yeah, uh, drinking underage drinking and smoking and and all that. I'll get you killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely created this like very conservative set of like like lo- it seemed like a conservative set of rules for horror yeah and it's so funny because like watching more of their movies like they don't make conservative like they- i don't think they make like super conservative movies so it's so interesting to see like that evolution with laurie because like but at the same time like i i was i was tweeting about this because i saw the new halloween movie and i didn't like it everybody but uh about how this movie i think has an incredible handling of female friendships. Like it's surface level, but I think it has a really good use of female friendships and communication between young women as well, which I think a lot of like, especially these new ones, like kind of miss is these interact, like these interactions between women in a way that I think, you know, again, aren't perfect, but I think are also very interesting in terms of female friendship and these kind and like looking at Lori and her friend group. And I never appreciated that until recently, too, about how they wrote these characters. Like, Deborah, again, Deborah Hill, icon, rest in peace, my queen, producer of a lot of these movies and creator of Halloween with John Carpenter, like, helped write all those dialogue sequences. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that really lends to this, like, incredible feeling in this movie of, like, identifying these char- with these characters and, like, caring for them more, which I hadn't thought about until recently. Yeah, I thought about it this time, too, with, with the dialogue and, and the interactions between them, because I was like... Wow, they do feel like actual friends. There's there's good natured ribbing. There's like they sort of like once once Laurie says that you know she's interested in Ben. Is it Tramer? I can't remember what his last name is, but Ben. And all of a sudden, you know, her friend Annie is like calling him up and trying to hook hook them up. Which who has a dance the day after Halloween? But that's <laughs> that's another story. But. but <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? what is, it's a little too late for like homecoming dance. But, but anyway, so like the fact that, you know, she's like, you know, I'm, I'm teasing her that, that kind of playfulness that they, they each have like almost a little bit of character traits of them. You know, Lori's the more, you know, buttoned up. I love that she's wearing a turtleneck. Like she is so conservatively dressed and <laughs> yes. Annie is like dropping off her, her, her ward so that she can go get fucked. And then <laughs> Linda is sort of like, Oh, there's an empty house here. I'm going to go have sex. Like they all have like these, these different kind of ditzy personalities or like strong personalities or whatever, but they all have interactions with each other to feel so authentic. And that is one thing that I, that really jumped out at me this time. And I, you're right, Mary Beth. I definitely think it's because you have Deborah Hill writing the dialogue for most of the female characters, I believe, if it's what I read. Yep. And I think, again, like, that's something that a lot of these other movies miss, I think, in terms of creating these characters. Because, I mean, like, Laurie Strode's an icon. I love her forever. I'll never not love her as a final girl. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis, 
what a bad bitch for, I mean, like, and that woman, I mean, come on, from Halloween to now, she has been unstoppable. I love her so much. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> but. And, and that was her first film, I think, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. Her first, like, yes. introducing her. Um, which is incredible as well. And It's just, and it's, it's incredible to see, like, the power, lasting power she's had as a figure in horror and just, like, what Laurie Strode has meant to so many people. I think it's just so fucking cool to have a character like that. And I just, like, appreciate it every time I watch it, because it's just so fascinating and cool. I keep, like, going back to that about, like, the creating of that character. And, like, you never know. Like, they probably didn't go into that thinking we're going to create this iconic figure of horror history. But, like, we fucking did, and it's just neat and rad to see that, ha- like, that happen. Speaking of, of um, Black Christmas, though, I do think it's um, interesting, the, the connection between the two, because Bob Clark... And John Carpenter knew each other. They worked on a film. I don't think that got released. Maybe they, I can't remember if they did or not, but like there was, there was this moment where, um, and there was like a quote when from a 2005 interview with Bob, where he was talking about, um, he, John Carpenter asked him if he was ever going to do a sequel. And he said, no, he was through with horror. And then John said, well, if you were going to do a sequel, what would, what would you do? And he said it would be the next year and the guy would have actually been caught, escape from mental institution, go back to the house and we'll start all over again. And I would call it Halloween. And so, like, there's always been this kind of, like, thing there that, like, you know, did did John pull from that? And Bob is, of course, saying, truth is, John didn't copy Black Christmas. He wrote a script, directed the script, did the casting. Halloween is his movie. And besides, the script came to him already titled anyway. And he's right. After, like, these... Because, like, there was, like, a whole rash of, you know, horror movies named after holidays. And so someone was going to do a movie called Halloween. I mean, it's just going to happen. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I saw as well the... Uh, I can't remember the one of the producers as well said that they had this idea about, I think they were sort of trying to find um, sort of their place in like the horror genre and having a, a like a serial killer that, that goes after either babysitters, babysitters. or goes mm-hmm. after, yeah, which was like, yeah, interesting as well. But yeah, I read that about, um, yeah, the, the Black Christmas quote as well. And I thought it was, yeah, interesting like how much as well he he kind of said yeah if there's a sequel then it'd be like this and it's like ah yeah putting that in my own noggin for later (laughs) and i mean it's you know it's obvious like movies movies are influenced by other movies it's that you know there's there's always going to be that kind of um pull from it i it what what i do think is is kind of sad though is that most people consider this like the 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 father of of the slasher genre when black christmas I personally think was doing more Agreed. and better yeah. like six, seven years is six years. I can't remember exactly when that I came out. I think it like, was a 73, I think. Was it 73? So like five years earlier. And it's just, this movie did gangbusters and that was a little Canadian picture that I think made $4 million. And so it's obviously the one that everyone is seeing is the one that's going to be credited for, for that. But it just, it kind of does make me sad that, Black Christmas was doing most of the things that we like associate with slashers, like the killer POV and the heavy breathing and all that kind of stuff was, was doing it, you know, before <laughs> makes me sad, but they didn't have a cool mask, Terry. They didn't have a cool <laughs> mask. Oh, I was just going to say, it's just interesting about how people gravitate and grasp onto like the, like the looks of something. I feel like that's what people need is that like that icon. 
because mm-hmm. Black Christmas doesn't have that as much. And like, and no. I love that. But again, like, it's so fast. I just think it's so fascinating about like, when people make horror movies, they want to have that icon. I, mean, like, I look at all the masks I have behind me. Like, obviously, we all want like an <laughs> icon that like, we can recognize and like, I have a stranger's onto. mask now. Oh, yeah. I, ha- I, I just got noticed three- that. I got all three of them now. Ah. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> it's just it's, it's so interesting about like how what we latch onto and like what we gravitate towards as people. But that's just me talking nonsense about horror it's not movies. nonsense though because <laughs> you're absolutely right it, it's that it's I, I mean especially in like the the late 70s early 80s it was the villain that you know captured everyone's attention whether that yeah. was i'll be perfectly honest jaws 2 is a slasher whether it was the the <laughs> shark in that one with the scar on its face to the michael myers mask jason's mask freddie's burnt face chucky like all of these like uh villains became bigger than the characters in in the movies for the most part because they had such iconic terrifying visages and we don't get that in black christmas yeah yeah and and that's you saying like jules as well like reminding me as well that again the um yeah jules was like a film where i definitely feared going in not even just the sea but sometimes in like a pool or something just like like a swimming pool you'd just kind of go, well, you know, you never know. It could <laughs> somehow a great white could go through. <laughs> Seriously, I brought this up on the podcast before, but I grew up in Alaska. I swam yeah. in an indoor pool. I didn't want to sleep swim on my back because I was afraid that Jaws was going to come up behind me. And I called the Jaws, yeah. <laughs> come up underneath me and, and eat me because I couldn't see underneath me. You know, it's like yeah. that irrational fear. And it's just those those villains just, I think, tap into something that – uh makes it everlasting in a way yeah and um i used to I, I should say this earlier actually but i um at that time as well after i watched halloween i did there uh, i had a paper round and it was quite a small town where i'm from it was obviously that sort of time of year as well it was i was kind of getting up at like 6 six thirty, whatever oh. doing the paper round before school so it was very dark and it was actually quite a um it's probably like a sort of the, the posher, kind of quite more wealthier area of the town and long drives, kind of a lot more kind of older, not as as old as maybe um, kind of the, the Myers uh, house. But um, yeah, kind of this creepy, uh, lo- lots of trees, lots of places where someone could be like hidden behind. So just that as well as a, as a kid and just, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was fun. It was fun paper. I was going to ask, is, is there like, because like, I mean, they make a comment in this movie about, and I think this is sort of like an iconic thing in the, in in these types of films, where it's like the house that everyone knows or everyone thinks is haunted. Did you all have that in growing up, the house in your neighborhood or nearby that everyone is like, that is the haunted house, that is a house you don't want to go into? We, I can't think of a house, but there was a, uh, like an urban legend about, um, it was called the Green Lady, and it was how Ooh. she was like, killed and like chopped up by a husband on there but it it kind of didn't really make sense i guess because it was it was meant to be by a roadside as well so as a, but as a kid like you don't really think of like no that whole sort of process of that but yeah the, the fact that and it was a near a place called um hubbard's hills which is again yeah very um i think nowadays it's just like kind of like underage drinking that people hang around there but people kind of say that there's you know not i don't think we ever said like the boogeyman 
like in uh, in Halloween, but there was definitely kind of that, like there's like the Green Lady and just the supposedly like sightings of like ghosts and that. And but mm-hmm. which nowadays I'm like no, but as a kid you're like oh my goodness oh, I can't it, go eat that up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you marry Beth at all when you were growing up? Have any like the house that everyone warned people stay away from? Or oh yeah, um, there was like an abandoned. This is terrible, but there was an abandoned like plantation house near where I grew up because I grew up like not in the south, but Maryland. I don't know where I grew up was like sometimes considered the south. So there was like one of those houses where everyone would go to like everyone had a story about finding a dead body in the house, and I would never go in there because I was always too scared. That's like where everyone like would smoke or like go hook up in the woods. Like I definitely hooked up with a guy in the woods by that house once uh, because I was a stupid high school student. But yeah, like we had, but that one was like deep and like we had to like go like go through the woods it wasn't like in the neighborhood oh, wow. we had to like go through the woods to go to it so it was like hike to go there but it was mostly like that was the big one but there was like a couple houses with like weirdos that everyone said to avoid but like and um fun fact my house was built on the plot of land where everyone would party and people would say don't go there that's where you go party and then they demolished everything and put my family down at home on top of it wow <laughs> <laughs> I just remember in Alaska, there was always like this one house that everyone said, don't go trick or treating there. They're going to put razors in your candy or something. <laughs> like Jesus. that was the big one. Yeah, that was the big one. It's like my parents, I remember would always check my candy for like, you know, stuff in it, wow. I guess. And, my and that was the one house. My candy too. It was, I thought that, like, I didn't realize that was a thing that people actually did. I thought my mom was just crazy. <laughs> no, my parents did. <laughs> Wow. Maybe it was to sneak some candy with, without, you know, telling you, but my parents yeah. always went through my candy to find, to see if there was any razor blades yes! sticking out of them, I guess. Yes! I don't know. And my mom would throw some away if they looked open. She was like so mm-hmm. nervous that weirdos were like giving kids weird candy. Anyway. Apples went in the trash. <laughs> I, I, I had someone to give us toothbrushes. It was so fucking weird. Oh. It was so tacky. I was like, guys, just like turn off your lights. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know if it was the same with, I guess, in America with, like, kind of dollar bills, but every now and then, like, there'd always be, like, one or two houses where, I guess, yeah, like, the people just didn't want to bother buying sweets, so they'd have, like, pound coins, and then just give that, and then, like, all the kids would be like, hey, that that, that person over there's giving money, and, like, people would just, like, run in, and, and then I think there was, like, one year, like, I, I don't know, we'd got there, or, or someone else who got there, and... There was like kind of done with that. So there's like, there's like, oh, sorry, we don't have any more pound coins, but we can give you. And it wasn't quite fruit, but it was something as a kid where you're like, this isn't like a, like a kind of a boiled sweet type thing. And you're like, this isn't, I didn't want this. I remember, I do remember the houses that would hand out like the big candy bars. Like you would get like the full size candy bars, and those were the houses to go to. Um, I, you know, I was trying to think when I was watching this last night, I do not remember when I saw this movie. I don't remember how old I was. I, what I do remember is knowing that there was a Michael Myers and knowing that mask, but I didn't Uh associate it with this movie because the, um, the cover of this movie was like this pumpkin with like a knife hand. And so I honestly got this movie confused. Oh, and, and I also remember seeing the, the mask in, um, Halloween 3, like on the cover, the pumpkin again, the head, the pumpkin mask. So I'd always oh. get this movie confused with pumpkin head because I thought the killer was walking around <laughs> with a pumpkin on his head. <laughs> and so I had Michael Myers in one corner and I had this pumpkin headed killer that was in Halloween. And it wasn't until I saw this movie, 
I don't, I don't remember my, my teens, maybe finally that, um, I kind of put two and two together and was like, Oh, this is not what I thought it was, but I don't, I honestly, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for this movie. I was a Fredhead. I was a Freddy Krueger fan. I watched all of those. And so that was my, my kind of, uh, serial killer, supernatural killer of choice. Um, so I, I don't know this, um, <laughs> this isn't my favorite movie. <laughs> This is one of those movies that, like, I respect it. I know Mary Beth, listeners, Mary Beth is giving me the look that I get. I get more often than not. It seems like sometimes. Going. But, no, I I respect this movie I love you, and I respect your opinions. You are your own person, and I respect you. <laughs> no, it's just I, I. This is a movie I respect. I think there's a lot of great stuff going on to it. It's just not the one that I that I seek out when I want to watch, like. A uh, slasher film, shall we say? Interesting, <laughs> huh? Yeah. What? What? Why? <laughs> I want to understand. I think it's kind of boring. <laughs> we, want, we want to help change. Wait, you. what'd you say? <laughs> what'd you say, Terry? I think, I think it's kind of boring. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, I've known you for three face. years and you've never revealed this information to me. I feel betrayed. Oh, it's getting it's getting spicy. That's not the spice that's coming. That's the spice that we was promised. <laughs> the pumpkin spice. Okay. I don't know. Like there's like there's a lot going on here that is really oh my god, very bad. I, I I feel like this is a good thing that this is like a few weeks before your wedding, so that maybe I can by the time it is your wedding, you'll will just have completely forgotten about this. I'm maybe your ta- you remove I'm changing, all kitchen knives. I'm changing your table to the Halloween table. I put you at the Nightmare on Elm Street table, but now I'm changing it just to fuck As with you. you. Should, it's the superior movie. I'm Okay, there is a lot going on here that is really, really quite good. The score is fantastic, although I will say that he repeats the same things a little too much for me. But the score, like that... I know. That theme, though, when that theme comes on in the very beginning of the film, and it's like, it's dark screen, and you just get that theme, I'm like, oh yeah, this this is great. And that slow, you know, camera moving in on the pumpkin... Absolutely fantastic. The cinematography by Dean Cundy, like Dean Cundy is a fucking all-star when it comes to being a DOP. The movies he's yeah. he's shot from Jurassic Park, Apollo 13, to, all the way back to this, like he filmed most of the films that I we remember as a child. The like um gosh, he did Back to the Futures, he did Hook, Death Becomes or Jurassic Park, Casper, Apollo 13. Like this dude knows how to shoot a movie. And that is one thing that I really appreciated on this watch that I may might not have appreciated before is the way that scenes are staged. There's a lot of use of the foreground and the background a lot in this film that um, I think is, is really fucking rad to look at, particularly looking at it now as an adult versus when I was, when I probably first saw it, I love the way things are staged in here. I think that that's the thing, the, um, the lack of, of cuts, like kind of nowadays there'll be, mm go into the room and then it would be a uh whatever close-up and all this other thing like like so cut 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 but like there's so many scenes when um uh i forget the doctor's name now but um when he first goes into the myers house with the the sheriff there's there's really not that many cuts and like you say there's there's just so much of the 
the scene that you can um yeah you can see in that and just mm-hmm. i think it kind of adds it in certain scenes especially when laurie goes uh into the house to find uh find annie and sort of finds the uh well, before she finds the bodies there's just like so much you're like is michael going to be there or there like it's right. not just that kind of close on her it's wide enough to go is are we going to see him like kind of creep creep into frame and just like how they do earlier when you just see a, a shoulder or the the back of the head and yeah it's yeah it's awesome i think the way that the movie uses michael to be he almost like teleports everywhere like there's like a quick shot where he's there and then someone turns away and they're back and he's just he's vanished he's gone he's teleported somewhere else and they do this so much with like you're expecting to see him in a shot that by the time you know that he's in the house like you said you're waiting for him to pop out at any moment or walk behind her or be like leering at her or something like that and it 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 does create that that sort of dread that you were expecting him to be at any moment, just like there. And that's really good. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And just, yeah, I just, yeah. Like even like watching it. Yeah. Last week, just to kind of give myself a a refresher, just still had all the lights out and yeah, just the, the slow builds and yeah, it's, it's definitely not uh, the experience I had like kind of watching the first time as a, as a kid, that, that sort of fear that it put into me, but just the, yeah, I don't know, like just the appreciation for it and, and kind of watching, like, whenever I see, yeah, like, a really awesome horror that doesn't have to do too much, like, the fact that he doesn't have to run after them, he's this kind mm. of menacing character, and there's not even, like, that much blood, like, I guess you still, mm-hmm. like, watching it recently, yeah. you have to suspend belief that how can a kitchen knife go through a body and not only kind of keep um i can't remember like the boyfriend like kind of <laughs> suspended but also kind of <laughs> pinning him to whatever that wall is but um... uh-huh. <laughs> well also we haven't talked about my favorite part of this movie which is dr loomis donald Pleasance as the incredible <laughs> dog <laughs> i love him in this i love him he he sometimes feels like he's in a completely different movie to me sometimes like with the way he <laughs> acts like it just feels like so campy but i love that like it's my favorite and yeah. i love him in all the other movies too and i just love donald pleasant pleasance pleasance am i saying it fancy or not i don't know how i'm supposed to say it but i just uh, I, love him yeah. and i yeah. think he's just incredible in these movies and adds this like ridiculous level of like camp to the movie that i don't think was intended but it's my that's why it's <laughs> camp to me because i don't think it was on purpose and it's my favorite he's so good he just yells his eyes are always bulging out of his head and he's just yelling about michael myers like what is what's wrong with you it's incredible it's so stupid yeah. <laughs> i just like love how as well the um when he's like just kind of like waiting outside the myers house and i think those um like <laughs> the, the, the bullies up. and he kind of like does whatever the voice and they run off hey Lonnie. And then, like, <laughs> And he's just like I, and again, it's like you have to like suspend like the I guess mechanics of if it were to really happen. But like he's been outside the house, and wherever like Michael parks the car that he realizes the car that uh, he steals, mm, like when they mm-hmm. try and go visit him, like I'm like surely you would because like his reaction to it as well, like just like the way he's kind of just like looking around, and then he's like, wait a minute. It's like, wouldn't you have heard like the, Wasn't the car? That there before? <laughs> yeah, I put that car there. <laughs> but, uh... 
<laughs> Maybe it teleports in like Michael does. Like it just teleports places. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Lo- I just, I Michael Myers is such an enigma, and I love it so much. Like he's he's just a, he's just a dude. At for like you know he is presented as just a dude. At, and then as the franchise progresses, we we know that it gets even weirder than that. But it really is fascinating. This guy is just, he's just a weird dude in a blue outfit, with blue jumpsuit, with a mask, and a fucking kitchen knife. It's so simple, but it's so fucking scary! It is. Yeah, I think that's the simplicity of it. Just the, yeah, yeah just this, this blank expression, this... <laughs> blank Shatner-esque. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was kind of wondering as well, just because he kills the um, the mechanic to get that blue outfit, but I just wonder, like, what what other potential um, Michael outfits could it have been if there wasn't a mechanic there that he could right. have killed, like, just what... <laughs> <laughs> this happenstance that creates an iconic look like it's just yeah. it's perfect it's like when jason finds his hockey mask it's like yeah. what if it was something else like you know it's just it's yeah. it's that moment that like creates this iconic image of him one okay i do want to talk about that simplicity though because it is something that i i think this movie does incredibly well with like the fact that we don't need to know much about michael myers except that donald pleasance calls him refers to him as an it and that was such a funny yeah. moment that i picked up on this time where he's like don't underestimate it and the nurse mary and is like, uh, don't you think we could refer to him as a he? Like, like he's like, <laughs> yeah. your compassion's overwhelming, doctor. But like to him, this is like not a person. This is evil personified. And I, I, that's something that I picked up on this time a whole lot where it's like, we don't really know much about Michael. We know that he was a kid that killed his, his sister. He hasn't spoken a word in that entire time. And between that 15 years, Dr. Loomis has gone from wanting to try to rehabilitate him to wanting to make sure that he never sees the light of day outside of wherever he's at, because he sees like something in him almost like there's like a line that I feel like is, is pulling from jaws. Cause he's like talking about his eyes. And I just, and I, it reminded me of like the way Quint would, would talk about the shark's eyes of being like a doll's eyes, a dead eyes, you know, it's, that's what it reminds <laughs> yeah. me of. Like we're talking about this creature not this human being, this utterly evil being that is just there for one reason. And that is to stick knives in people and stick them into the wall. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween. That's the, yeah, yes, Halloween. That's that's why the Halloween's <laughs> the best horror film. <laughs> Look, I love Halloween. I Terry, I love you, but I disagree with you. I think it's got I just think that I agree with you that Black Christmas it did everything it did a little bit better. Like, I love Halloween, I think it's great. I just think Black Christmas is like the more elevated version of that. But goddamn, if Michael Myers is the scariest shit, and if Laurie Strode isn't the coolest final girl, and if it just like didn't give us some iconic images, like I don't know, and then and then fucking Doctor Loomis, who's just a goddamn <laughs> lunatic, I just oh so good, Terry, God, <laughs> <laughs> I love you, but why? <laughs> I know, I am a Fredhead. I love I, that. I also love Freddy. Yeah, but but you, okay, but you but are Freddy's a recent, you're yeah. recent Fred person. Don't hold that over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jared, no. this is getting spicy. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> no, one thing I picked up this time that I never really noticed before is that he eats a dog. There's Does a moment when, 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 there's a moment where, um, where when when Loomis and the sheriff walk into the Myers house and there's like 
oh, is oh, that a dog? Yeah. And he's like, he got hungry. And I'm like, what did he do to this dog? I, I <laughs> forgot really, about yeah. that. Ew, what the yeah, like, Excuse <laughs> me? This is like a normal thing? He got hungry. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> it's not right. like, yeah, the... the the hardware store like obviously didn't have any food and he didn't want to go into any other store to shoplift so he was like yeah i'm just gonna i'm just gonna talk well that was yeah, the other funny part when like there's a break-in at the hardware store and he's like oh and the, the sheriff's like oh it's just some kids <laughs> they stole a mask a knife and some rope like, just some kids <laughs> yeah. and i'm like nothing to worry about <laughs> absolutely nothing to fucking worry about there's no there's nothing weird about that at all like how are you a sheriff how yeah, <laughs> yeah. i just also as well like i feel like and someone that that has a lot of um i've like dealt with my life not having a great sense of smell like the the fact when their lorry's like coughing and they've got like the um and they're like oh don't don't let my like stop uh stop coughing like i don't want my dad to know and they roll down the window and it's like <laughs> would that not just would he not because sm- he like leans in that he's like just you girls like <laughs> yeah pour it out of the car and whatever would have been <laughs> like yep incredible and he was just totally like all right girl (laughs) (laughs) so i'm i'm not really a defender of the new movies i haven't i i enjoyed the first the 2018 halloween i didn't really care for the last one and i have not seen this this new one but there is one moment in here that i thought was kind of interesting in relation to halloween kills because there's this moment where the uh the sheriff is like, I can, I'm going to call people and I'll let everyone know. And Dr. Loomis is like, if you alert them, everyone will see him on every single street and every single horse or every single house. The evil will spread. Every single and this, horse. Every I'm single sorry. horse. But he's like talking about how the evil will kind of spread across town and people will start seeing it. And that is kind of what happens in Halloween Kills. That does kind of extend into Halloween Ends too. And that's not a spoiler or anything, but like it's a similar thing. Is in um, the new one as well. But I did think that was kind of interesting that, like, they kind of pulled from this idea that, like, if, if everyone knows that he's there, everyone's going to see him no matter where they're at. And it's not we're never going to be able to find him. And so I did kind of think watching this movie so closely after watching Halloween Kills that, you know, there is that sort of nugget that I think has informed that second movie in the, in the in this new trilogy huh. a little bit. I yeah, about yeah that. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Well, so there's a positive. I know. Do we want to wrap up and give Halloween a rating out of five? Sounds good to me. Okay, yeah. Terry. Um, how many teleporting <laughs> Michaels out of five do you give Halloween? And I know it's going to make me sad no matter what you say. So, uh, <laughs> I give it a one. No, I'm kidding. Wow. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. I, th- you know, <laughs> I. This movie is is technically well made, especially considering that it is like a very indie film made for what three hundred thousand dollars. Very like scrappy independent filmmaking, established careers for Dean Cundy, for Sean Carpenter, for Deborah Hill, for uh, um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh my gosh! I just was like for Lori, <laughs> but it's not Lori. But established like their careers, and it's such a humble beginning for it. This. I think this movie is really well made. It's just not a movie that I go to when I want to get my slasher fix. And that's just, I have to be who I am. But I think it's a very well made movie. I'm going to give it four teleporting Michaels out of five because it is a very well made movie. It's just not my personal cup of tea, but I can appreciate it and respect it for 
for what it is. How's that, Mary Beth? Not as spicy wow. as you're probably expecting. Not as spicy as I was expecting. You're right. You're right. You're right. But what about you, you Mary Beth? Is this a five? This is a five for me. It's a five yeah. across the board. I think it's an incredible movie. I think, uh, I don't know. I've already said everything I love about this damn movie. It's Laurie Strode, Michael Myers, Dr. Loomis, all these just ridiculous things coming together to create something that I think even after 40 plus years is terrifying and timeless in a way. And I just, you know, despite how much I am not the biggest fan of the new trilogy. I mean, like it just goes to show you how much this, this figure has per, like per- persevered and like made it through the time, like hor- horror time, which I think is so amazing and speaks to how, just how terrifying he is and can be. So it's five for me, but Jared, you have the final word. How many teleporting Michaels out of five do you give? How oh, no, it's, it's going to be five for me as well. Five, <laughs> five teleporting Michaels. And yeah. um, I just, I remembered as well that, um, and this isn't my, uh, my story, but it, it's my mum's uh, friend, like when she was, I don't know how old they would have been, like, but they went to the cinema to see Halloween and, and her oh, friend wow. actually, I want to say it was a kitchen knife, but maybe it, it might not, maybe it was just like a, like a regular knife or something. But her friend was, um, I guess like her parents was out of town or something. So she was staying home alone. And like the next day, or like maybe a few days after, like she told my mum that she was like, yeah, I actually had a knife under my pillow. Uh, cause she, she was that, that scared of, um, a, <laughs> a, a Michael Myers. Um, so yeah, so it's, I can um, believe it. I can like that. that. I think that I don't know that that time period as well. Like you see, like even in um, films and TV shows now. Like I watched um, a few weeks ago. I watched uh, Black Phone, and there's just like certain things as well. Like in that film where these kids are going missing, and like like parents are like, "Yeah, no, you go to school. Like you still, you still, you can walk yourself back and <laughs> to and from school." Like it's like even though there's a guy that's like. like <laughs> missing children and that and the same in this like the kind of like windows being uh, like left open and stuff and it just uh yeah it's always kind of a fun like horror trope or it's it's like like when um uh jamie Lee Curtis's character like i think after like the um she stabs him uh from like the closet and she kind of just drops the knife like right by his body even though she thinks <laughs> He's dead. It's just like, just take the knife with you. Like just you've seen him. You. <laughs> you've seen him. How he he got up from the yeah. uh, the knitting needle and all these other things. And... <laughs> right. Well, what one last thing though that just popped in my head as you were talking about the sort of like leaving the doors open and everything. What really struck me this time was when Lori is trying to get help and she goes to that next door neighbor yeah. and is pounding on the door. The light turns on. They look out their blinds and then they close the blinds and turn off the light. And it's like. Wow. It's like right there is like a little bit of social commentary about the suburbs and people that are supposed to be kind of like this community. Then they're just like, oh, I'm not dealing with any of that. Whatever's going on out there. Yeah. You're on your own. Yeah. 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 Uh, Well, thank you so much, Jared, for joining us to talk about Halloween. Um, Where can our listeners find you? And what do you have? The floor is yours. What do you have to to talk about or plug? Well, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, So, um, yeah, when the screaming starts, it's it's out currently on uh, Screenbox. And it's going to be out on uh, Transactional on uh, Amazon Prime and iTunes on October 25th. 
I believe. And um, yeah, we're on all the socials. I think it's when the screaming starts on Instagram and Facebook, and at when screaming on Twitter. So yeah, that's that's us. And uh, yeah, if 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 you like, uh, not trying to compare it to Halloween, but yeah, there's there's a slow build with with comedy, and then you kind of get your screaming and and <laughs> fake blood fix kind of from the middle onwards so yeah hell yeah so (laughs) listeners you've heard from us but we want to hear from you what was your experience with halloween send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on twitter i am at mb mcandrews and i'm a gaily dreadful and be nice to me online (laughs) and of course don't forget to follow the podcast on twitter at scarred podcast and please don't forget to review rate and subscribe and support us through patreon thank you to eric power for our artwork thank you to sean keller for our music Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>